Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Thanks, Steph. Well, like Stephanie said, I am the director of the prayer team. I am not a pastor. I am not a preacher. I am not, uh, this is not what I do. So for all the people who are here for child dedications, maybe give it another try next week too, because uh, we'll, see, we'll see how this goes. Well, my name is Trevor Huffman. I do have the privilege of being the prayer director. Um, I love doing that. I love leading uh, our church in, in prayer. We have a great team. Um, yeah, it's just a real privilege. And also, like Steph said, we are going through the Lord's Prayer. We're going through it verse by verse, and we're asking God to teach us how to pray. And I have grown a lot from that. My prayer life has matured a lot in the past four weeks, and I hope that your guys' has too. Um, I have kind of a lot I want to say I think God is, is going to bring out some cool stuff out of this verse. Um, but first, I just really want to pray for God to take over. I think it would be right if I'm the prayer director to, to start my message in prayer. So God, would you just take over? Would you take out any words that you don't want to say? Would you speak through me? Uh, would we leave this room closer to you, having a better idea of, of your will? For our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, we are going through Matthew 6, 13, and that is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in my opinion, that's worded a little funny. Uh, there's some things that I just think we could really spend some time clearing up and really getting to the heart of what Jesus is telling us to ask of God. And so, literally, I just think we should go through it word for word. So, to lead. I think we all know what it means to lead somebody, but I thought the definition was really helpful in understanding what God's heart is asking of us. To lead, according to the dictionary, is to cause one, a person or an animal, to go with one by the holding of the hand, a leash, or a rope. So this prayer is quite literally asking God to grab us by the hand and to guide us as a father would a child across a parking lot, or a less glorious way of putting it is as I do my dog. I hook up her leash and I drag her while she drags me down the sidewalk. That is literally what this prayer is asking, saying, God, would you take me by the hand and would you guide me? And so now the question is, would you take me by the hand and guide me where? where? Where are we asking God to guide us to? And it says, not into temptation. Not into temptation. This is where I think the wording is just a little funny. Not into temptation. I think we can replace not into with away from. So not into we can replace with away from. So away from temptation. God, would you take us by the hand and would you lead us away from temptation? Yeah, and so now the question is, 
The temptation to what? Temptation to what? Because me personally, I'm tempted to having seconds or thirds or fourths of dessert. My mother-in-law is in town. She brought a big thing of cupcakes. And I was not tempted to the first one. The first one was just a no-brainer. I was tempted to the second and the third ones. But some, some of the people in this room, you might be tempted to the, the first round of dessert, or you might be tempted to eat fast food instead of eat a little healthy, or I don't know. There's some surface-level temptations that I do not think Jesus is talking about. I think Jesus is talking about a very specific temptation, and that is the temptation to gratify the desires of the flesh. And the flesh is another funny word that the Bible uses to talk about our sinful and our worldly nature. The flesh is our sin. The flesh is, we are made out of it. And as long as we are in this world, we are partially in the flesh. And Jesus is saying that the flesh is tempting. And the works of the flesh are listed in Galatians. Uh, If you want to go there, Galatians 5 verses 19 through 21. And they'll be, yeah, they'll be up there too. says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. I don't know who's into sorcery, but hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild wild parties, and other sins like these. And you might look at that list and think, sorcery? I don't, I don't practice sorcery. I'm not, uh, I'm not into witchcraft or anything like that. Or I might have did some wild parties in college, but not, not anymore. But we are all tempted to some of this in some capacity. We are all tempted towards the flesh in some capacity. How about selfish ambition? Selfish ambition. I want to be wealthy, and I want to have a cool house on a nice plot of land, and I've got an old forerunner out there that I would love to put like some big wheels on and cool bumpers, and I want to drive down the road, and I want people to look at me and say, that guy has got some cool stuff. He's successful. He's got it going on. That is my selfish ambition. I'm tempted towards my selfish ambition, towards my own desires for my life. Or how about uh, quarreling? Is there any married people in the room? (laughs) I'll need to tell you that we are good at quarreling. It could be about dishes, or it could be about letting the dog out, or it could be about something big, but we are good at quarreling. We didn't take a class on quarreling. We didn't learn how to do it. We just know how to do it. It It's built into our DNA to argue. I mean, look at, you could probably go back into kids' classes back there, and they're probably arguing over something. They're two years old and they're arguing because it is in our DNA. We are by DNA tempted to choose our own sinful path for our lives. So we are tempted to, number one, gratify the desires of our flesh. We're tempted to give in to these things in some capacity. And in that, we are tempted to pursue our own selfish will. We're tempted towards our own selfish ambition that we, we want to forsake the guidance of God and we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to listen to anybody. We want to be the king 
or the queen of our own life. We are by nature tempted to choose our own sinful and selfish paths for our lives instead of living holy lives in the will of God. And this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is asking God to lead us away from that. It's asking God, would you lead us away from our sinful desires and our selfish ambition? And I think a very important thing to note here is that if we are asking God to lead us away from something, we are really asking God to lead us towards something. So if I put it this way, if we ask God, would you lead us away from empty bellies? Can you be led away from an empty belly without being led towards a full belly? You can't. If you're being led away from an empty belly, you're being led towards a full belly. If we say, God, would you lead us away from danger? The only way to go is towards safety. So in asking God, would you lead us away from our sin, we're asking God, would you lead us towards holiness? If we're asking God, would you lead us away from selfish ambition? We're asking God, would you fill us with your selflessness? And we're saying, God, lead us away from our own will and our own desire. We're saying, God, lead us towards your will and your desire. They, you don't get to let, be led away from sin without being led into holiness. And you also can't be led into holiness without being led away from sin. They are cohesive. So if we are asking God to lead us away from something, we are asking God to lead us towards something. And so for the sake of understanding, I'd like to rephrase this prayer because there's no point in praying if we really don't know the heart behind what we're praying. And so I'd like to rephrase it to say, God, would you take us by the hand and would you lead us away from ourselves and our fleshly desires and into your will and your holiness? This is what lead us not into temptation is really praying for. And so my question is, do you want to pray that prayer? And don't answer yet because we still have unpacking to do, but being led by God is not always going to be easy. Being more selfless than selfish is not an easy thing. It's easier to live in sin than it is to live in holiness. It's easier to do whatever you want versus trying to figure out what God wants and do that. It is easier to pursue your own desires. But we're not finished unpacking the verse, so I'd like to do that before we find the answer to that question. So the next part of the verse is, leads not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. I think we can easily say this is asking God, would you save us from evil? So now the question is, what's evil? What is evil? Is evil uh, the Buckeyes taking a loss? Is that evil? Or uh, how, about, how about the fact that inflation is making my Caniac cost $16 now? Is that evil? I want six chicken fingers, and it's $16. It's craziness. Our dollars are dwindling away to nothing. Is that evil? Well, it might be bad, but I don't think it's evil, at least not in the sense that Jesus is talking about evil. I think Jesus is talking about what is evil in God's eyes. What is evil to God? 
I think that can be summarized into three things. Number one, evil is sin and its consequences. As evil in the eyes of God, sin and its consequences. And when I talk about consequences, I'm talking about affairs, divorces, stress, anxiety, growing up in a home without a dad or a mom, broken families. These are consequences of sin. If you don't believe me that your stress or your anxiety is from sin, I bet if you really sat down and got into where it's coming from, it's probably coming from some worldly value. Sin and its consequences is evil in the eyes of God. This one might be a little uncomfortable for our, for our church. Uh, evil is Satan. The devil is evil. The Bible says that the devil is out like a lion and is waiting to pounce on us. He's waiting to cause us to stumble, to get us to forsake God, to, to get us to go into sin. He's planting lies in our head. Like, you could look at that one time. It's not going to hurt anything. Nobody would know. Or, uh, you know, you could just fib those numbers a little bit. I mean, CIRS, who needs integrity when it comes to the IRS? They got plenty of stuff. I don't need to be honest on my taxes. It doesn't, that's not what, God doesn't care about that. Or how about this one, husbands? Uh, you know, I am definitely right, and my wife is definitely wrong. And I have absolutely nothing to apologize for, and she has everything to apologize for. And the best thing I could do is sit and sulk and wait for her to come to me and apologize. How many times has that worked out for you? Probably not very many. That is a lie from Satan. And lastly, evil is death. And I'm speaking about death in an eternal sense. Death is in a spiritual death apart from God. When we live lives after selfish ambition and sinful desires, we are, as the great philosophers of ACDC put it, on a highway to hell. When we are led by our sin and our selfish desires, <laughs> thanks, I can. <laughs> when we are led by our, our sin and our desires, we are bound for eternal separation from God, the ultimate death. Because we who believe in God and we follow God do not know a real death because death is only the beginning according to the Bible. So throwing it all together, we're asking God, don't let us be ruled and driven by our fleshly desires, but save us from the consequences of our sin and the tricks of the devil. I think there's something important to make note of as we look at this verse as a whole. I don't think we're asking God two things. I don't think we're saying, God, would you lead us not into temptation? Would you lead us away from our sin? And also, God, if you have time, would you deliver us from evil? Or maybe you could do this one or just this one. If you have time, could you do both? I don't think we're asking two different things. I believe that we are asking one thing. We are asking that God would lead us so that we can be delivered from evil. I think being delivered from evil is a result of being led by God. And I want to draw an extremely clear line here. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel that if we follow God, that we'll be healthy, wealthy, and successful. Those things are blessings. It's a blessing to be wealthy. It's a blessing to be successful. It's a blessing to be healthy. But they are not 
promises. The evil that I'm talking about being delivered from is the evil as we've defined it here. The things that are evil in God's eyes. These are the things that we will be delivered from if we will be led by God. I believe that the best life possible is a life that is led by God and not us. Not the easiest one, but I believe it is the best one. When we are led by God, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. When we are led by God, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And if we keep reading in that Galatians passage, it goes on to list these fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And this is the life that he's referring to, a life with peace instead of anxiety, a life with joy instead of depression. He's referring to a life full of goodness and kindness and patience instead of frustration or anger. These are the things that Jesus is saying will make the best life possible. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, peace would be cool, but it'd be really nice to be wealthy. It'd be really nice if my stocks would take off for my, uh, what's, what's the, the Bitcoin or whatever. My Bitcoin would just skyrocket again, you know? Like, man, it'd be nice to be wealthy. But Jesus says that these are the best things for our life, that these things will li- lead us to the best life possible. And... I thought if you don't believe that, I thought of a little analogy for you. Let's say you go to Ikea and you are walking through, it's that maze of a store and you see this bookshelf in this nice fully furnished room and you're like, I want that shelf. The shelf's nice, it'd look, it'd look nice in our house. So you go and then you find out you got to go find it in their warehouse. It's like impossible to get around, I think. But you, you pick up the box, you get it home and you open it up and... Has anybody bought anything from Ikea before? You open it up and there's what, like 150 pieces in there? There's so many pieces. And it's like, okay, great. Well, now we got to build it. And you open up the little instruction manual and we meet our little Swedish friend, Mr. Ikea. He's the guy, he, he, he made the bookshelf, he designed it, he engineered it, he knows how it goes together. And there's no words, but he's got pictures. And it's like, this is how you put this shelf together. This is, I designed it, I built it, I made it. If you follow my steps, it'll go together perfectly. And if you've built Ikea furniture before and you follow the directions, you know that, yeah, it's weird. Like sometimes you do stuff what seems like it would be out of order, but it always goes together, right? And I, I remodel houses for a living. And so me and my pride and my arrogance, I open that thing up. I'm like, I'm not doing it in that order doesn't make any sense. I know a better way to do this. There's no way that's going to work best. You and I both know if I do that, if I throw away that instruction manual, that shelf is not going together, right? It's not holding any books. I mean, okay, it might hold a book, but it's going to have like screws through the side. It's going to be ugly. It's not going to be the way it was designed to be. So if we think Mr. Ikea, Mr. Swedish guy on the instruction manual, knows the best way to put together an Ikea shelf, 
Do we not believe that the God who created our lives, who designed the world that we live in, would know the best way for us to live it? If our Creator says that the best life possible is a life full of the fruit of the Spirit, should we not believe that the best life possible is a life full of the fruit of the Spirit? If Mr. Ikea knows how Ikea furniture goes together, God knows the best way the life He created. God knows the best way for us to live the life He created. If we want to live the best life possible, we must be led by God. I'm not promising health, wealth, or success. I'm promising the fruits of the Spirit. I am promising that when we get to heaven, that we will receive the crown of life, that God will look at us and say that we are welcome into heaven, into eternity with Him. These are the promises I'm speaking of. I think uh, it was actually funny. I think you guys read the Psalm 23 and I just thought that painted this picture so well. And David is saying to God, you are my shepherd and I am the sheep. You will guide me into green pastures. You'll lead me beside still waters. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I'll go through the valley of the shadow of death. I won't fear any evil for you are my comfort. Because you are guiding me, I will have peace, I will have protection, and I will have provision. David is still facing opposition. He is still in the presence, his table is in the presence of his enemies, but God is with him and providing for him. He needs to go through the valley of the shadow of death to be led in the ways of righteousness and to be led to the green pastures and the still waters, but God is taking him there. God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. Imagine David is like, God, you are the shepherd, I'm the sheep. But I've been a sheep for a long time now. And, you know, I think I saw something green that way. I don't even know, do, do sheep see color? I don't know if they do. They probably couldn't even find a green pasture. They'd end up trying to eat a rock or something. Or what if a sheep was like, you know, you're my shepherd, and I know that you can protect me, but I'm... I've been hanging out with Iken. I learned how to box a little bit. I think I could take a wolf. I think I could take a wolf. That sheep is not beating a wolf. You cannot expect to receive protection and provision from the shepherd if you will not follow the shepherd. A sheep is not safe from the wolves if he is not under the shepherd's care. We are not safe from the broken world that we live in if we are not under the care of God. A sheep cannot be expected the sheep cannot expect to be protected without following the shepherd. And so I'll ask again, are you willing to pray this prayer? God, would you take us by the hand? Would you lead us away from ourselves and our fleshly desires and into your will and your holiness? God, would you grab us by the hand and guide us into your holiness, into your will? Because on one hand, it's going to be hard. God might call you to serve on a volunteer team here. Actually, I know he's calling you to that. Because <laughs> today is like the day of no volunteer. Joel's not even here. Nobody's here. <laughs> we need, we need, God, God's probably calling you to join a volunteer team. God might call you to serve your spouse more than they serve you. God might call you to give away more money than you save. God might lead you to act a little different around that old friend group. 
Or if you were here last week, maybe God's leading you to forgive that person. That person who wronged you and never said sorry. That person who wronged you and doesn't care. God might be leading you to sell your house and be a missionary. I don't know where you're at. Only God knows what he wants to lead you into or out of. That is until you pray this prayer. And I might be getting a little crazy, but I don't think I am. Only God knows what he wants to lead you into until you pray this prayer. Because Romans 12 says that if we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, i.e. if we will offer to be led by God and commit ourselves to following him, that we, through prayer and his wisdom bestowed on us, can discern what is the will of God. That is, go to your Bible and look at it. That is what it says. And when we do that, that we will live a life that is perfect and acceptable in his eyes. So will serving your spouse more than they serve you be hard? Probably. Will saying no to that friend group that gets a little too carried away be difficult? Probably. Will asking God to lead you and choosing to do what he wants you to do instead of what you want to do be difficult? Yeah. But to be perfect and acceptable in the eyes of God. That is word for word what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. That we will be perfect and acceptable in the, eye, in the eyes of God. The creator of the universe has made a way for us to know him, to live in his will, to be holy and perfect and acceptable in his eyes. Wouldn't we want to do that? If you believe that God is who he says he is, wouldn't you want to do that. I have two things that I want to tack on here before I close. And I think they might be the most important things that I say for the whole time. And they might hurt a little bit. Sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you what, what God's saying through Scripture. The only way to live an acceptable life in the eyes of God is to ask him to lead you and to follow him. That is the only way. There is no other way. You cannot, by your own strength, figure out the will of God and go do it. You cannot, by your own strength, decide that you're not going to sin anymore and go be holy. You can't do it. You cannot be in the will of God without God taking you there. You cannot be in God's holiness without him bestowing it upon you, without asking God to give it to you and to lead you there. You can't come have dinner with me in my home unless I first invite you, give you the address, and when you get there, I have to open the door for you and welcome you in. We cannot go dwell with God without God taking us there. And the beautiful thing is, he just, he says, ask me to lead you there. In your prayers, would you ask me to lead you? Would you ask me that I would guide you and I'll take you into a perfect into a perfect and acceptable life. When I think about where I was before, this is, this is not on my pages, when I think about where I was before God had control of my life, I, I, I wouldn't be standing here. I, I wouldn't be standing here. I'm convinced of that. God has led me and delivered me from evil like you would not imagine. The only way to live an acceptable life before God is to ask him to lead you and to follow.
That's number one. And number two, probably more important than number one, this is one that's going to hurt. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. You cannot be in God's will and in my will. You can't, you can't do it. You're either in God's will or you're not. You're either a part of the shepherd's flock or you're not. In Revelation, God says, I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. And because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that, that God would grab you as a loving father and pull you into his will, that you would go to him. You would ask him to lead you because there isn't a middle ground. You're either in it or you're not. You're either perfect and acceptable or you're imperfect and unacceptable. The difference is if you're led by God. The difference is not if your sins are not as bad as their sins. The difference is not, I went to church eight times in a row. It's not the difference. The difference is if you ask God to lead you and you follow him or you don't. I say that with a heavy heart because we have to decide where we want to stand. And some of us, we, I, I know that I'm standing and I want to follow God, but it's still my, uh, a few weeks ago, Derek told us we, this is a daily prayer, that we were praying for a daily bread, and daily I want to ask God to take me and to lead me where he wants to go. I want to live in the will of God daily because I know that it's the best life possible because I believe that. And so for reflection, I really, really just have one thing for you to think about. Do you want to be led by God? And don't just brush that over. Do you want to be led by God? And I'm speaking to people in here who have been Christians for 20 years. I'm speaking to people who are still on the fence. I'm speaking to people who, I don't know what you have going on. But do you want to be led by God? Small or big, do you want to be led by God? And if not, why? Is it because you don't believe that he's who he says he is? Or is it because you, you have this hold on what you think is the best thing for your life? And if you do, if you want to be led by God, man, that is exciting. And if you dive into that piece of scripture in Romans, we can know what God wants us to do. We just have to go before him and ask him to align our heart with his will. So in this last five minutes if you don't want to be led by God I want you to think about why I want you to really be honest with yourself why and if you do I want you to spend some time thinking and asking God is there something you want to lead me out of or is there something you want to lead me into and uh, you guys can head back for prayer every time I'm on this stage I will say it the prayer team is in the back their number one their only job is to pray pray with you guys. And so whether you are wrestling with God and whether you trust his goodness or not, or you are bent on God, I want you to guide me. What are you guiding me to? Go back there and pray with one of us. We'd love, we'd love to do that with you. Would you pray with me as I close this? God, you're good. You're so merciful. You have delivered me 
so much. I know there's people in here you've delivered from so much. God, would you would you compel us to be led by you? Would you compel us and give us the strength to follow you? I pray for anyone in here who is sitting in the middle right now. Uh, they would really think about where they want to stand, that you would impress on their hearts the life that is to be had in you and in your spirit. God, would you lead us? Would you guide us like a little kid who doesn't know where they're going? Because we don't. And you do. God, we love you. We want to live lives that glorify you. Would you help us do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.